podcast was recorded on Aboriginal land, the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. This episode also discusses events that occurred on the land of the Jajarurung people. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hello, Christina. Hi, Penny. Welcome back to In Those Days. I've got Mm. some trove chat today that's really more just general library chat. Okay. Okay. We record this at the State Library of Victoria. We do. We feel very fancy when we're in here. And sometimes people think that, like, it must be because I'm special or whatever, but actually just anyone can book the room. Yeah, you're not special not actually appreciated <laughs> the library in any way. Um, but I do mm. appreciate it. And the library has a lot of stuff. It's got a lot of collections. Mm-hmm. And if you just look in the catalogue, a little bit overwhelming sometimes. Yes. So one thing that the very nice librarians do is that they make research guides which are based on certain topics and collections. Okay. So if you go on their website, they've got a whole list of research guides. And the one that... I looked at for today was I have one called Gold Miners and Mining. Mm. And that is very useful because it's got links, not just to stuff in their own collection, but links to other places. That is and, very helpful. Yeah. And so if you are interested in a topic, like it's a good place to start. Yeah. Because it'll send you off to all the, all the good places. So our guest now is... My friend Tim Carruthers. Hello. Who I went to school with. And he is a proper person and he's an Well, that's good to know. <laughs> he's an editor and publisher in educational publishing. Oh, well, I... And it, well, he was and now... <laughs> now I have a He produces educational software. Ooh. So he's meant to be smart and know stuff. <laughs> in an educational way. Educational yep. way. And when I invited him onto this podcast, he did research. Wow. He's done more than I have. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you're talking me up maybe a bit much there. Well, I'm also not willing to say who I work for in case I say something completely wrong. And oh, no, that's on, fine. So. That's you can fine. find him on LinkedIn. Just, Tim Crothers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tim and I, Christina. Yes. We went to school together. <laughs> wow, Penny. We went to Castlemaine Secretary College together. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. We were in the same year and then we moved to Melbourne at the same time. Not in the same place. No. No. No, <laughs> no we never shared a house, even though we, I think we possibly, did we share houses with people who then shared houses with each other? Did we? Who? I'm not sure. There was a whole. Georgina, maybe. Could yeah. have. There, were, there was this whole crew of people from Castlemaine who moved down to Melbourne and well, associated used, with each other. Yeah, people used to call like, um, call like Ligon Street Little Castlemaine. <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Only people from Castlemaine. Yeah, people from yeah. Castlemaine. Yeah. So maybe it wasn't like they called Brunswick Little Castlemaine. That, that's right. It was actually much bigger than Castlemaine. <laughs> Do you go back to Castlemaine much? Your parents still live there. Yeah, my parents still live there. I go back every so often. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as often as you should. <laughs> as often, probably not as often as I should. I no, feel no. like I don't go as often as I should. It's a lovely place to visit, though. Every time you say, uh, like it used to be when we moved to go to university in Melbourne and, you, and people would say, oh, where are you from? And you'd say, oh, I'm from Castlemaine. And they'd be go, oh, what? <laughs> now you say Castlemaine and everyone says, oh, what a lovely little town. So everyone's heard Yeah, everyone knows it now. Yeah. It's like it, it's very expensive to live there. <laughs> in the heart of spa country. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, it is the heart of Goldfields country. <laughs> yes. Which is right, what we're We're slightly gonna... north northeast of Spa Country. Yeah, yes. although I'm from Newstairs, it's very much on the cusp of Goldfield mm, Spa. Golden Spa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sounds a bit weird. 
Um, and so, Tim, mm. do you still think of yourself as a castle main person? Mm. I I do. I uh, which is particularly because I, I'm clearly like a blow into castle main. I, I moved there when I was like two years old. And oh, you're not my, even local. I know I'm not even local. <laughs> my parents have lived there for not quite forty years, and they're still like not locals. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you need a family <clears throat> that goes back very far to, to be a, a real local. But I mean, I still like when if I meet someone, I'm like, oh, that's a Castle Main person. Yeah. <laughs> You can tell by how their eyes are set. Yeah, but the thing is that Castlemaine people never get excited about things. <laughs> so, or about, I often feel like, I'm like, oh, we're from Castlemaine. And they're like, mm. yeah. <laughs> they don't want to associate yeah. with you. That's right. But Castlemaine's a, it's a gold rush town. Yes. And so. Full of gold diggers. <laughs> not anymore. One thing that people always used to say about it was that the reason why Castlemaine has such wide streets is because it was nearly Melbourne. In mm-hmm. the 1850s, it was going to be the capital of Victoria. It really was. It's like, and I remember when I was growing up, I felt like that was very special about <laughs> a town that actually could have been Melbourne. Yeah, but mm-hmm. didn't quite yeah, make it. Not. Yeah, yeah. I, I used to hear that story as well. And then is it true? I every history book I've ever read says no, that's <laughs> But I don't know. There's lots of history books I haven't read, so maybe. Look, I think it was just something people in Castlemaine like to say, to be honest. I don't mm-hmm. reckon it's necessarily true. It was it was legitimately very big and rich and not as big as Melbourne, but I, mm. there was a, a big period of time when it was at least the second biggest place, like popular. Like bigger than Ballarat. I think I so. Like it's, it's really – whenever you read sort of books and statistics, all the – statistics are complete, you know, all over the place guesswork because obviously there was lots of people moving around from place to place and they'd spend a week on some digging and then they'd go off to somewhere else. So it's really hard, I think, to tell exactly how large each place was because you're relying on these mm. isolated newspaper reports. And yeah, stuff. and, you know, really temporary populations as well. So, yeah. yeah. But it was definitely very big with lots of people for quite some time. Yeah. So gold was discovered, I think, in 1850. Is that right, Tim? Thereabouts. Yeah, or 1851. Well, in what I've read, like whenever we think of, of gold in, in Australia, we always think of the central Victorian gold rush, but mm. actually gold was discovered in Bathurst in New South Wales. Right. Um, and so a whole bunch of people from mm. Victoria were leaving Victoria to go there because there was gold there. I always thought that the gold rush was a very organic, natural thing. Gold was found in place and then people kind of moved Locked towards there. it anarchically. But actually that what Tim told me was that it was very much sort of like created and encouraged by the government because they didn't want people going to New South Wales to get the New South Wales gold. Did they yeah, plant well, some gold? Even though <laughs> Well, and before that it was because everybody was going to California. Yeah. So th- mm. that's the that's the thing which always comes up in this um that California had the big California gold rush which started mm. in like 1848ish, so just a couple of years before. And this was that was like the first big gold rush that people called a gold rush mm. and wrote newspaper stories about and became a big meme of like, oh, there's, there's a gold rush, you can go there. And because it was 1848, people had the freedom to, to mm. travel and you could travel on a boat and it wouldn't take you that long. So it actually, you know, you had hundreds and thousands of people going to California, including leaving from Australia to go there. And to the point that the authorities in New South Wales were like, well, hang on, this is not good. We've probably got gold. Maybe we should find some gold in Australia and then people will just stay right. here instead of nicking off. So they had this basically a prize for whoever could discover gold in Australia to stop people leaving. 
And then they did discover gold. And then in Victoria, there was actually genuinely heaps of gold. I think mm. in New South Wales, maybe not so much. No, no, no. They found a bit in Bathurst. And then the thing that was happening at the exact same time in sort of 1850 was that Victoria was becoming its own colony because... Mm. When the British settled originally, they had, like, New South Wales, which wasn't just mm. today's New South Wales. It was New South Wales and everything that's part of Victoria and I think I think Queensland as well. That, that whole, like, East Coast area was all New South Wales. Mm. And, of course, the people who were actually living in Melbourne were like, we don't want to be, you know, have people from Sydney in charge of us. This is ridiculous. Let's write a big petition to London to say make us separate. So it started that early, the Sydney-Melbourne. Yeah, but it happened at exactly the same Only time. according to Melbourne people. <laughs> <laughs> People don't That's care. where the rivalry started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, basically. So I found this article that's from 1852. It's about someone travelling to the goldfields near Castlemaine or to Mount Alexander, as they called it. And I thought that it would be interesting to talk to Tim about this because we're both Castlemaine people and also because Tim himself once attempted a journey from Melbourne to Castlemaine on foot. Is that say, I, like, how did this come about, Tim? Why did you try to walk from Melbourne to Castlemaine? Uh, because, well, the, the short answer is because I was in my early 20s and very stupid. <laughs> The, the, the longer answer is that a friend of mine got drunk and made a bet with somebody that, of course, you could walk from Melbourne to Castlemaine in a couple of days because obviously the gold diggers had done it. Mm. So how hard could it be? So uh, there was a time limit on it too? That yes, it, that was the important part of the bet. Oh, uh, okay. That it could be done in two days because I, I think the disagreement that had originally come up in this conversation was, well, would it be two days or three days? Surely you couldn't do it in two days. <laughs> that would be too far. Uh, Hence the challenge. And so my friend had made this bet. Uh, my brother and I, uh, <laughs> we hadn't made a bet. We had no skin in the game. But we were like, well, that sounds like fun. Let's let's go along and do this. So the three of us. Set off. Oh, well, that is be- a beautiful parallel. We're going to read this article and we're going to look at your journey compared to this guy's journey because I think there will be some good comparisons. But I will warn you about this article. It's written in 1852, well before the discovery of brevity. Yeah. <laughs> And it is wordy and there's absolutely no way that we're going to get all the way through it today because he liked to describe things in a lot of details. But we'll just do our best, okay? Sounds good. This is a sailor's trip from Melbourne to Mount Alexander and it was published, I think, on the 10th of May, 1852. He begins, This long-looked-for, half-dreaded event was now to come off The ride of 80 miles outside of a horse was to be undertaken, and as my two friends and fellow travellers came up to the gate fully equipped for the road, I felt a slight misgivings as to the result of this, my first serious essay as a horseman. Obviously different to you, Tim, this guy's riding, so he's got a horse, which is a great privilege, I feel, at this time, because lots of people were walking. What were your feelings before you started your journey, Tim? I... You set off. I, I think we were optimistic. <laughs> Blindly optimistic. <laughs> you were optimistic. We were definitely optimistic. Well, we'd done some practice. Uh, oh, I didn't realise. To the shops yeah. and back. <laughs> no, no, even more ambitious. Uh, we knew that we were starting from North Melbourne because that was where my friend who had made the bet lived. We were curious to be like, well, can you even sort of walk? Like, is the is the are there like roads that you can walk on so as the a side pedestrian? Of the highway. That's a really good point, though. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so we'd started with some practices where I was like, well, I'll walk from North Melbourne to Water Gardens. 
that mm. <laughs> um, to the train station there to see if it's actually possible. And it turned out it was. You, 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 <laughs> you, you have to do this like weird route going on sort of footpaths and then through some paddocks and things. But anyway, it all worked out. And we looked at maps. Uh, I, I think this was probably before Google Maps. So we, we got oh, out the railways yeah. and figured it out. Photocopy pages. <laughs> yep. And we, we planned out a whole route about it. Like from North Melbourne to to the, the gold fields, <laughs> there's a train line. Yes. They, they didn't have a train line in 1852. No, they didn't. Um, but, okay, that's it. So, okay, we'll follow the train line and then then the train line sort of goes off in a way where you can't follow it as a pedestrian. It goes through bushland and stuff. So we're like, and then we'll follow it's the... It's like goes over a bridge at one point that I think you would want to be on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't do that. But, yeah. you, but you can walk basically along the, the railway line up until uh, a point where it sort of diverges and then... So it's you, a little bit stand by me. Yeah, a little bit... <laughs> Yes, and then there's the then there's the freeway, the the Calder freeway that yes. goes all the way up, and we we're like, well, can you walk alongside a freeway? Is that yeah. legal or not? And we looked it up, and, it, and we seemed vaguely confident that it was legal that you could walk along a, a highway. So we're like, well, we'll give it a go. Oh, this is exciting. Okay, I'm going to keep reading. Sundry visions floated before my eyes of the wild, ungovernable steed running away with me or, still more terrible, giving me a specimen of buck jumping. (laughs) This, I have been told, is a purely colonial accomplishment. Whether that be the case or not mattered little to me then. I had often seen it exhibited and, though wonderful in appearance, like the motion of a ship in a head sea... (laughs) to which I have been tolerably well seasoned, I felt would in reality be a different affair and that my sea legs would advantage me nothing in that sort of motion. But over the bows of the horse, I should be certain to go. Oh, dear. (laughs) It's like he had a bag full of commas. Yeah, just saying, I was hoping the horse didn't buck. I was no judge of horse flesh or I need not have driven myself the slightest concern for the one-eyed charger which was to carry me was quite incapable of any such feat of agility. Where one-eyed? He had a horse with one eye? I don't know. I think he's exaggerating. Pirate. (laughs) But he's basically, he's worried about being bucked off his horse and then he's sad because he's not going to be bucked off his horse. Uh, uh, Mixed emotion. Yeah. Just get on with it. You know a lot about horses, Chris. Yeah, I do. Do you know anything about boats and are they similar? I feel there is no real correlation whatsoever. A lot of people, I'm not just Tim and his friends, but I think a lot of people in 1852 were just walking. Mm -hmm. There's Um, lots of reports. And then later people walked even further because then when they introduced that awful £10 import tax on Chinese people in Melbourne, they would then arrive in Adelaide to avoid the tax and walk across from Adelaide. Oh, God. Mm. Which people have, I think, recreated recently in memory of their ancestors and stuff. Yeah, they, there was a tax on, there was also a tax on people coming from Tasmania for a while. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that should still exist. We'll get no. to them actually. <laughs> We're going to get to them, don't worry. Having got fairly underway, we scampered out of town at a tolerable rate. The weather was oppressively hot. One of those clear hot wind days when the rays of the sun seem to reach you through a burning glass and every puff of air instead of cooling and refreshing comes as if it were a hot blast from a furnace, Mm. raising with a whirlwind those singular pyramids of dust, which, however interesting and picturesque as they may appear, as they unquestionably do in a distance, (laughs) are anything but pleasant when whirled over you, filling your eyes, nose, mouth, ears and shirt collar with dust. 
So this article's published in May, but I think the trip happened in January. Based well, it on took him that long to get the words down. Oh, it's <laughs> very long. Yeah. Tim, what was the weather like when you guys set out? You know, it, <clears throat> very similar to that. <laughs> <laughs> because we had... It was a university holiday time. Yeah, very foolishly we did, we did this in summer, which was... Uh, Maybe really, the first mistake. <laughs> this was absolutely the first mistake. I think the problem was that there was a time limit on the bet because they didn't ah. want to just sort of let this, like, drag yeah. out forever. But it, it was not just you had to walk to Castlemaine in two days. It was like, and you have to do it within, like, a month or two, which is why we had to do it. Plus, yeah, it was holidays. And, and it was really – so it was a hot day. God. It was. It was It was summer. But, you know, we, we were students with nothing to do, so. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's when you would have had the time to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Under these circumstances, of course, we had to stop at the first available place to clear the cobwebs out of our throats. There was an inn at Flemington. Oh. Two miles out of Melbourne. So really put in the hard yards. Now, Flemington, not everyone lives in Melbourne. It's not exactly, it's not. You haven't left Melbourne, we fear it. You haven't left Melbourne and it's not an inner city suburb now, but it's pretty close. Did you guys have any rules about where you were allowed to st- – like were you allowed to go to the pub? Like what? There would have been heaps of pubs on the way. There, there were, but but no, we, 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 were, we were worried about the timing because we were on, on this two-day limit, so we were like, no, 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 no stopping at pubs. So you right. just walked through? We, we stopped uh, – <laughs> I'll wait until you get to it actually we stopped. <laughs> but Flemington is one train station away from North Melbourne, so I, yeah. th- I think we got from – where we started to Flemington. In so you about got 10 past minutes. Flemington before you had to have uh, like a music bar or something. Yeah. yeah. Stop at a 7 Eleven. <laughs> yes. Slurpy. <laughs> While we were discussing our lemonade, some of the numerous loungers outside the door managed to steal my whip so that my horse, who had already begun to require it, oh. was likely to have it all its own way. A few miles further on the road, we fell in with a friend returning from the diggings with several pounds of weight of gold wow. strapped on the pummel of his saddle in his blanket. He had been keeping company with the escort or escort through the most dangerous parts of the road and was now pushing on for town, having left them a few miles behind. Now, in this article, it does make it seem like gold is very abundant. Mm, mm. Um, Everything I've read is like this was the most gold that had ever been found anywhere. And I I think it was. There there were records of like that that escort that mm. he's talking about, which was from what I've read, people generally didn't take the gold themselves to a bank. There there was this whole system where you'd take the gold to the authorities and they'd give you a note to say, yes, you've given me, you know, a pound of gold. And then all that gold would be collected together in this big escort and it would just go in this big military Mm. escort all the way back to Melbourne where I guess it would go to like the bank or something. Yeah. Anyway, so so you had these, you know, basically an army escort of – Hundred weights of gold. Wow! Apparently, the the biggest lot they ever did was something like two and a half tons of gold in one Ooh. lot. It's just insane. It's a lot of gold. gold. I read that in the eighteen fifties, Victorian gold was like a third of all the gold in the world mm. that they found. So, but at the same time, it's not everyone who's getting to mm. share that. Continues. This is still about the friend who they've run into. Did you meet anyone that you knew on the way? <laughs> no. No. So Melbourne's a lot bigger now. <laughs> it's a lot less likely. Also, walking on footpaths next to a railway line is, is not the best way to not run Not many into, pedestrians. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> Morning. 
Knowing the qualities of my steed better than I did, he kindly offered me one of his spurs, telling me very significantly that I should still want it. And having in my short experience arrived at the same conclusion, I gladly accepted it. He's um, very negative about his poor little horse. He really is. I think he should have just walked and dealt with it (laughs) or been grateful that he had a horse to sit on. Exactly. Another heave to wet our whistles at an inn a few miles further on our road, kept by a Vandemonian. This is just the pub tour version, yeah, isn't basically. it? Basically, yeah. yeah. So, Vandemonian, I'd never heard that word before. Mm. Is that someone from Tasmania? Yes. Yeah, from Vandemonian. Yeah. And actually, then I found out that it was pretty much an insult. Vandemonian. Yeah, Vandemonian. You could use it like an adjective, like he had a Vandemonian appearance. Like Neanderthal. They, they had such a terrible reputation because not only was it almost entirely convicts, but they were apparently the worst convicts once mm. who were sent to Van Diemen's Land. That's why it changed the name to Tasmania because the name had such a bad reputation. They were like, <laughs> okay, if, if we're not going to be a convict colony anymore, if we can't call it this name. No. He continues. Sorry, they're in this pub kept by a Vandemonian where their entertainment for travellers was of a rather rude description. Sounds oh. nice. And the landlord, landlady, and the whole house full of customers seemed brutish in the extreme and quite at variance with my preconceived notions of the quiet of a country inn. But I was only a sailor and had a great deal to learn. Oh, dear. He's a very snobby sailor. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know what ship he's been on. (laughs) Exactly. And I don't think he was just a regular sailor. I think he was some kind of upper-class captain. Yeah. However, great allowance must be made for golden times as each of these publicans must be making a rapid fortune. And as a general rule, my experience of the world has taught me that in proportion as the money comes in, among uneducated men at least, so common civility goes out. So don't give poor people money. It'll make them worse. Right. (laughs) Basically what it was. Yeah, this this doesn't sound like your typical salt of the earth sailor. No. And I think... Salt of the sea, I should say. But there was a lot of worry about the goldfields and the effect of of this money on people. And I think a lot of it was that kind of fear of changing social status Mm. and Mm. that all of a sudden these people would get money who shouldn't have it and might have power, therefore. Yeah, well, I think I think that was one of the things about why the gold rush, the one in California beforehand and the ones in Australia was so weird because people had the freedom to just go where they wanted and to go dig up gold, which I mean, even 100 or sort of 200 years earlier, you couldn't really do that because your town needed you to get the harvest in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? Or, or you owed your fealty to a lord back in the Middle Ages or whatever. Mm. When anybody can do what they want because it's the 1800s and we're into full-on capitalist times, then... Yeah, that must be very anxiety-inducing for the people who are used to being rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he stopped to dinner at Deep Creek Inn about a dozen miles out of town, which I think is poor, actually only getting to do, only getting there a dozen miles out of town. He stopped at 20 pubs. <laughs> exactly. A, a dozen In fact, miles. he even got there is impressive. What, what's that like? It's like, for, I looked it up, miles? it's like 40Ks out of Melbourne, Deep Dean Inn. I would have oh, said. Right. Depends on where you start, though, obviously. What did you do for food, Tim? We had optimistically sort of carried sleeping bags and things uh, so that we'd be able mm. to, to, you know, because this is an overnight, you know, multiple Two days. days. You had two days to Two days, there. two days. So yeah. we, we just had, we had a whole lot of food in our packs. We were carrying big, heavy packs in the middle of summer. <laughs> 
We ate muesli bars. <laughs> muesli bars. Did you have some scroggin? Uh, I think we did. <laughs> I think we did have some scroggin. Yeah. And some and some sandwiches and like big bottles of water. This is what we had figured out during our practice walks. Your planning meeting. You need. Yes, water because it's when it's when it's hot. It's you know, ridiculous. So yeah, we, we had we had not only bottles of water, but it's sort of trying to figure out places where you, there would use taps or places very to well buy water. planned excursion, Tim. Well, we had a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this deep, deep creek in. This is another of those houses, which evidently had never been the resort of any but the genus Bullock driver prior to the discovery of gold and ought never to have risen above that level. Oh. Here we dined with three gentlemen, unmistakable gentlemen by their conversation, though their long beards, blue overall shirts and muddy trousers, if dress was a standard of gentility, would rather have led to the supposition that they belonged to the class for whom the hospitalities of the Deep Creek Inn were evidently originally intended. (laughs) So basically we could tell from talking to them that they were posh, but they didn't look posh. No. And he doesn't, and that's confusing because they're used to being able to just identify who's who. Yeah. Is is this why big beards became more fashionable in this era? Early 1800s, everyone's all clean shaven, Mr. Mm. Darcy. And then from the 1850s and 60s, all the big politicians and rich people in portraits have got big beards. Is, is, is that, like, linked to Maybe this sort of thing? Maybe it's based on But that. what linked to in what way? Gold rushes are the cool thing. Or the, the gold fields oh. have trends. This is, like, the trendy fashion. Because you can't shave. I, I have no idea if this yeah. is true. Oh, well, look, guessing. it's a theory. <laughs> um, we, you can go back to get your Facial PhD. Hair, fashion on men, who, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a whole other episode. Let's do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They were returning from the diggings where they had done well but complained much of the scarcity of water for washing out the gold. Mm, and see, even, Tim knew he was taking his own. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and even for drinking purposes, the latter causing much illness. Ugh. Two out of the three were suffering much from inflammation of the eyes Ew. caused, as I suppose, by the flies, which they told us were very numerous and excessively troublesome and judging from appearances... I would say extremely painful also. Ugh. So so the flies were landing in their eyes? Is that what that's saying? It just sounds gross. <laughs> I think so. It's not Did you break. pack AeroGuard on your trip, Tim? I think I think there's nowhere near as many flies as there no. to be. So Probably because they had no sort of sewerage control. <laughs> <laughs> it, so were insects a problem? Were there any... No, actually, I don't remember insects being a problem at all, which is mm. either a tragic thing about the loss of biodiversity or <laughs> just, just really lucky. Yeah. Oh, and in terms of there not being enough water for them um, in the goldfields, I think there probably was actually before enough water, certainly for the people who were living there. Mm. But I think for the judge over wrong people who were living there before, I think it was absolutely fine. Yeah. And then all of these... Um, People moved in and and started dredging the waterways, muddied it all up, just completely trashed the place. And then they're like, oh, it's not enough water and we're all getting sick. (laughs) Yeah. During our meal, two gentlemen of another kidney arrived, handcuffed together and under the charge of two mounted policemen, who, having left their horses, immediately entered the room where we were, took the irons off their prisoners and sans ceremony all four sat down together at the same board with ourselves. 
<laughs> One of these men, it appeared, was committed to take his trial for a felony. The other, in default of bail to keep the peace, was to serve six months in jail for an assault. Both were travelling to Melbourne on foot in that oppressively hot day and each endeavoured to obtain permission from the sergeant to, in charge to remain where they were for the night. The assaulted tried his most most pathetic powers of persuasion, the Fallon tried what in colonial parlance is expressively termed bounce. Have you bounce? heard of bounce? I'd never heard of I've it. I've never heard of and it. And now I've heard of it in two completely different contexts. Bounce, it means giving you a bit of attitude, being a, a bit assertive, impudent, hmm. can be quite like a humorous thing. And then I was watching Philomena Kunk. And she uses bounce. I might start using it about kids I work with. Yeah, like I know what it is. Kids now. showed a fair bit of bounce. Yeah, I know <laughs> what it is. Like I can I imagine, imagine it. it now, but I'd never heard of it. So the goldfields crime was a big thing. Mm, well, people really worried about. Like they were so worried about that he were going to the gold in like a breakdown of law and order and all of that. Well, sort of supposedly thing. what had happened was as soon as people announced that gold was discovered and it was published in the newspapers, so that more than one or two people knew mm. about it, All the, most of the police quit their jobs so that they could go and mine the gold. Uh, <laughs> and, mm. then, and then you had not as many police as usual, mm. which is a problem for crime. But then apparently the authorities were so desperate to get more people to join the police, they hired ex-convicts and crims to be the police. And then there's reports after reports from the following years of people complaining that all the police on the goldfields were basically just standover guys who were extorting money from people and not really upholding the law at all. Everybody hated them. Mm. That seems to have been a big factor in, like, the, you know, the Eureka Stockade, but also mm. all the big protests mm. that happened in Castlemaine, um, that everyone hated the authorities because they were corrupt and violent. Yeah, so nothing's changed. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think these guys went off. I think they did have to keep walking that night, the criminals with the police, so... Oh. Off they went again. At eight o'clock, being just after dusk, we arrived at the Bush Inn, 35 miles from Melbourne. And so I think they're now in Gisborne. And before 1851, Gisborne was always known as Bush Inn. Huh. And because there was one in there called Bush Inn, so it was just always called that. And then it obviously expanded a lot after that. And they stayed there for the night. And so this is a point where I think I'll ask him, so what did you guys, where did you, so they're in Gisborne. And where did you stay the night? <laughs> this is on where... your two-day journey. <laughs> well, we didn't make it as far as Gisborne. <laughs> we got to Digger's Rest, and we had a rest because yeah. we were very tired. Well, and then we were like, "Well, we'll keep going. We'll see how we can go." We got we got to about Sunbury, and we'd been walking for eight hours, and knew that we were about two-thirds of the way to halfway that we'd need to keep walking for another four hours yeah. if we were going to make this thing. And oh. we were all unanimous that we could not walk <laughs> for another four hours. <laughs> we did have a good excuse. Yeah. The excuse was that because it was summer, uh, we could only wear like sort of normal socks in our shoes, mm. um, which meant that it was our, our feet were just dead from that much walking. I think if it had been winter and we'd been able to wear like big, thick yeah, padded socks, boots and maybe stuff. we could have gone another couple of hours, but also who knows. Um, well, I have to tell you, I think he did really well because I think the two days was very ambitious mm. because this guy took like three days to Sydney on in a day. A, yeah. He took three <laughs> days on a horse. Mm. 
Well, I mean, he, he was stopping at a pub every... Yeah, like, I mean... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the app. In retrospect, that's what we should have done. We, we did make it a third of the way, and so we felt it had been a, a kind of a moral victory in that we it's felt... It's just disappointing proved. that you were technically still in Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> Is Sunbury still in Melbourne? Oh, I feel that's far-fetched, Penny. <laughs> have you been to Sunbury lately? That's not Melbourne. <laughs> No, 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 we were a third of the way. We, we felt that it proved that you could do it in three days. How did you get home from there? We uh, we called our friend. <laughs> Help! Our one friend who had a car <laughs> and we waited on the side of the highway. Yeah, like the winners that you were. <laughs> yeah. We'd been stopped by police earlier because we'd been walking down, you know, the big grassy area between uh, the, the, oh. the two sides of the highway and the police came up and they were like, oh. Fellas. <laughs> Boys, what are you up to? Well, like I, I can't remember the exact phrasing. It was something like, you know, do you know if you're allowed to be walking here? And we all piped up, oh, yeah, we looked it up. <laughs> we're university students on holiday. And, and they were like, oh, right, well, yes. Carry on then. <laughs> and they let us go. Um, Thank yeah. you for doing your own research. <laughs> yeah, because we really weren't sure. It's a bit of a grey area for us. That was definitely the vibe I got. Yeah. And, the, you know, what's disappointing and what I'm not sure what to do about now is the fact that we're not even in the Black Forest, which is the next part of this story where this mm. guy goes into... Oh, do you think they'll, he'll get a special cake in the Black Forest? <laughs> I feel like we'll get Tim back another day. Oh, I, think, I think it needs to be 2.0. So, Tim, we have only got... You got to Sunbury. This guy's in Gisborne. He's got two more days of travel left to go and then he's going to come home again, which was also a fairly eventful journey. (laughs) Do you think you could come back another day and we'll continue? I would love to. Thank you. Excellent. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, so that's um, kind of... Just information, really. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I learnt from that. (laughs) 